Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezicki. Welcome to Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezicki and Mike Kapler's with me getting together for our little discussion about Growing in Grace. And glad to have you here with me, Mike. Hey, Joel. Good to be uh, back with you again, talking about God's goodness, God's grace, and just uh, reminding ourselves of the tremendous price that has already been paid for us. I spent so much of my Christian life trying to pay God back Mm -hmm. before I realized that uh, it wasn't working very well. (laughs) Exactly. Trying to earn what he's already done. I think that's what we do a lot of in the Christian walk. And for those of you who have been listening to uh, our program for a while here, Growing in Grace, You've probably heard us say it before, but there's always somebody new tuning in, so you know, try to bear with us for a while, because even some of the things that we learn need to be heard over and over and over again, and uh, that's how the Word of God works. You know, it's, it's alive. It's not just a book, and so um, I, I think most of the time, so many of us, and I'm guilty of it, we've gone around trying to seek from God something that He's really already given if we would just accept and receive it by faith. Just accept and receive what what he's already done. Because, I mean, there was a reason that Jesus came, and, and it wasn't to... He came to take us out of bondage. Because for all these... Since the time of Adam, uh, all the way up to the time of Jesus Christ, mankind, whether they knew it or not, they were in bondage. And uh, they were in bondage to this thing that was that had them separated from God, and, and it had them... Basically, it was up to man... Uh, apart from you know when it, when Christ wasn't in the picture, if if Christ would never have come into the picture, it was up to man basically to make himself right with God, and that's bondage. And Paul kind of talks about that a little bit in Galatians. Maybe we'll get into a, a little bit of uh, Galatians today. That you know when you try to get yourself right with God, whether it's through keeping the law or whether it's through making up your own rules in life uh, that you think you have to keep uh, before God, when Jesus came. To take you know to take the bondage away to set us free. Well, Joel, um, last year at Christmas time, uh, we bought a a family present because it was uh, a little bit on the higher end, price wise. It was a treadmill, and uh, you know we like to try to stay in shape. We're not in shape, <laughs> and we don't use it enough, like everything else. You know that you get that you try to make your health better for exercise. Well, we got a treadmill, and if you want to talk about something that's one of the most boring things in the world to do. It's really kind of unpleasant. I, I like going for a walk where I can look around, but when you're on the treadmill, there's really nowhere to look around. <laughs> well, I think I was on a treadmill for so much of my Christian life. Um, you know, I got saved as a child. Somebody shared Christ with me. I prayed to, to ask him into my life, and, and to, I just believed that what he had done for me was was uh, something that was eternal, and, and uh, I called upon his name. So I came into this saving knowledge, and man, did I feel good, even at the age of 10, Joel. And the person who, ins- who had led me to the Lord instructed me right away on what to do and what not to do. And then I went, probably one of the worst things I ever did, I went, it didn't seem like it at the time, but I'm looking back on it now, I went to the Christian bookstore, walked three miles downtown as a, as a child, and then came back home and, and had this discipleship book that was telling me all this stuff that I needed to do and this stuff that I shouldn't be doing. And here, even at the age of 10 or 11 years old, 
reading ten chapters of my Bible a day, whether I liked it or not. Uh, that's that's how I came uh, into my uh, my relationship with Christ, and and it was good. It wasn't all bad. It's just that eventually the treadmill began because I remember the person who led me to the Lord, for example. He said, "Now if you mess up, you know, like if you swear or something like that." Uh, then just ask God to forgive you, you know, and and uh, so that that started the treadmill of of guilt, Joel, because there were times where, you know, I, even as a child, you you know, you're not doing everything right, and and you always go back to God asking for forgiveness. We were just talking about asking for God, uh, asking God uh, for things that He has already provided for us, seeking after that which has already been given, and that's what I did much of my life. And as I became a young adult. I got to the point, I can remember where I was at work one day, Joel, because I was a pretty good Christian kid, but I was having a bad day at work as a kid in high school, and I can remember doing something I hadn't done for a long time. I kind of lost my temper. There wasn't even anybody around, but some words came flying out of my mouth that hadn't come out for a long time, and I decided right then and there, at the age of 18 or whatever it was, that I can't do this anymore. And I kind of, whatever I had in my hand, an apron or whatever, I threw it down and said, God, I can't do this. I'm going to go live my life and do things the way I want to do. Wow. And so I kind of went on a rebellious period and uh, because of the guilt. Mm-hmm. The, the guilt overwhelmed me, and I didn't want to have to deal with that. I didn't want to have to keep asking God to forgive me for this and that and the other thing, and then always feeling like I needed to uh, rededicate my life again. Steve McVeigh had a great article on that in, in his magazine this month rededicating your life uh how many times have we done that Mm -hmm. rededicating our life so there's this treadmill effect that i just it just wore me down and it just wasn't very pleasant um and so i'm just so thankful for having come into some some teaching and some understanding of god's word the gospel that what jesus christ did at the cross is a finished and completed work and that there's nothing I can do to make him love me more or less um, and, and we can just walk in the freedom of that unconditional love. Well, I, th- I think you're speaking to so many people right now. There's so many people who've, who've walked, who know what that treadmill is all about, that up and down roller coaster ride. Whether it's a person who... who uh, was really very in, very much into the law um, and, and trying the, their hardest to live by it, or someone, again, uh, that was just ma- making up all these rules that they thought they had to do for God and was just continuously finding themselves uh, failing, or anyone in between. I, I, was, I remember uh, in a church we used to go to, I, I might have shared this before, I don't know, there was a a man who was a Jew, and he he had been converted uh, to Christianity, and he didn't call himself a born-again Jew, he called himself a completed Jew. And uh, he was asked why he had, uh, well, what he said was that he gave up on on being, a, being, being trying to live by the law. And, and the question said, well, why, you know, why did you give up? And he said, well, you try keeping 613 commandments. <laughs> and it's, and we we can make our we can make up our own commandments or we can you know look at the into the perfect law and try to live by them and we're never going to do it and and whether it's um, like you at your job just saying God I just I can't do this 
or whether it's um, someone who who tried to keep 613 Old Testament commandments, or someone who's trying to live by the Ten Commandments, or or whatever. The the purpose of it all is that we can't. You know, the, God, and, and this is kind of it's hard for some people to understand that the purpose that's revealed in the New Testament of why God gave the law, why these people for thousands of years, for several hundred years anyway, had to live by this law, God's purpose in that was to bring people to the end of themselves, to to bring them to that place where they say, I can't do this. And therefore, they would turn uh, just simply... Uh, just simply to faith, to, just simply to the Savior that God sent. And, and Paul talks a lot about this in in Galatians. And, and even these Galatians who had been taught this message of freedom in Christ, they were turning from it. And something I heard someone say the other day was kind of cool because I'd never noticed this, but if you look at a lot of the letters that Paul wrote, uh, he starts out with saying, you know, I thank my God for you. Like even when he was writing to the Corinthians and, and uh, his purpose was to, to basically in some ways to rebuke them, to say, hey, you've been don't use grace as a license to sin. And all, you know, he was he was saying they'd been really doing some shocking things, even as Christians. And uh, but he would start off his letters to to many of these churches saying, I thank my God for you upon my remembrance of you and and all these things. He starts off the book of Galatians with a, cor- a, a quick little, you know, grace and peace to you. But then he says, I am astonished. I am shocked that you have turned to a different gospel. I mean, it's like he starts off this book that, where these Galatians, or this letter, these Galatians had come into this message of freedom in Christ. And they were turning to back to the law. They were turning back to rules and regulations to try to maintain their righteousness. Even They were even trying to make people uh, believe that they had to become a Jew first and then they could be saved. <laughs> even, you know, putting adding Christ to the law or adding the law to Christ. Either way, uh, Galatians does say that faith and law do not mix. Well, and, and I know... Uh, so many things that we could touch on here, Joel, and I know we don't have much time left, but I, I think even the word faith can mean different things to different people. And so hopefully as we continue talking along these lines here over the next few weeks or the next couple of programs, we can help um, bring some definition to what faith is. It's, it's not just believing in something you can't see. Uh, everybody has a different uh, a different view of what faith might be. Um, I personally believe that, that faith and works are like opposites. You know, there are those who are trying to establish their righteousness by what they do, and then there are those who uh, trust in the righteousness of Christ um, that that uh, that He has given to us as a gift. Yeah, it's it's given to He's given it to us as a gift, and you know, a lot of people would ask the question, "Well, what about James? James says faith without works is dead," <laughs> and. Uh, it, but it's but see what James is not saying, uh, and a lot of people would interpret this in their own ways too. But he's not saying that you can take this thing, this word called faith, and you can say I have faith, um, and add works to it to make it legitimate. It's it's just that if you have faith. It's without you know, some fruit coming from it. It's it's not. It's just not real faith. But it's not the works that make it faith. It's the faith that turns in eventually to, to good works, and it, that can be confusing for many people. But what you're saying is that if you're going to be saved, 
you can't be saved it's you can't be saved by faith and works because in that sense they're opposite if you're going to be saved by works you have to do it perfectly if you're going to be saved by faith all you have to do is put your faith in the finished work of somebody else jesus christ yeah sometimes uh, that passage from james it, it just sort of gets turned inside out and obscures our view of it just a little bit Right, and and so I, you know, kind of getting back to this this bondage thing, I, this is so. I think it's so vital uh, that we understand that Christ came to save us from bondage, and we are just, you know, we got about a minute left here, and maybe we could just end with you know some words of of Paul in the early uh, parts of the, his letter to the Galatians. You know, some people had come in to spy on these the, the freedom. Uh, that these people were experiencing some legalists basically and and Paul says uh, to them in, in Galatians 2 uh, there are some false brothers that infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you another version says that they, they wanted to put them into bondage and they didn't give in to them for a moment you know, as I look back after hearing that, Joel, as I look back on my life, you know, maybe when I was younger I, I ran into it once in a while, but most of my persecution has come from religious people. And I don't think I even realized that until recently. But as I look back over my life, I see that in many instances it was the religious people that I was uh, experiencing persecution with, not the unbelievers. Mm -hmm. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, and maybe we'll bring that up next time because that's... It's what the early church dealt with. They dealt with persecution from legalists, not persecutions from those who thought that they were goody-two-shoes. More next week on Growing in Grace. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Baruzaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ.